Amen. Please be seated. Let us turn now in God's holy word to Numbers chapter 13. The book of Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. In the midst of this book, the book of Numbers, we have spies being sent out into the promised land. These spies that we will read of here in this text were there to to tell of what they were to face as they were going into the land. There were challenges ahead. There were difficulties ahead. God had promised them the land of future Canaan. And dear friends, God has also promised us a future Canaan, a heavenly home. How would they enter into that land? By faith, and by faith alone. They went forward by faith on this journey away from Egypt toward the promised land in Canaan. How do we enter into our heavenly home by faith by faith in Christ Jesus and by faith dear friends let us see how we go forward to our heavenly home but also being aware that by fear by fear we go backwards so let us read now from God's holy word we're going to read from the start of Numbers chapter 13 down to Numbers 14 verse 10 Let us hear God's holy and infallible word. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. For each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a chief among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the commandment of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the people of Israel. And these were their names from the tribe of Reuben, Shemua, the son of Zachar, from the tribe of Simeon, Shaphat, the son of Hori, from the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, from the tribe of Issachar, Igel, the son of Joseph, from the tribe of Ephraim, Hoshea, the son of Nun, from the tribe of Benjamin, Palti, the son of Rephu, from the tribe of Zebulun, Gadiel, the son of Sadi, from the tribe of Joseph, that is the tribe of Manasseh, Gadi, the son of Susi, from the tribe of Dan, Amiel, the son of Gamali, from the tribe of Asher, Sethul, Sether, the son of Michal, from the tribe of Naphtali, Nabi, the son of Vosri, from the tribe of Gad, Gael, the son of Maki. These were the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Hoshea, the son of Nun, Joshua. Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up into the Negev and go into the hill country and see what the land is and whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak or whether they are few or many. And whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad. 
and whether the cities they dwell in are camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not, be of good courage, and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin to Rehob, under near Lebo Hamath. They went up into the Negev and came to Hebron, Ahaman, Sheshai, and Talmai. The descendants of Anak were there. Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. And they came to the valley of Eshkel and cut down from there a branch with a single cluster of grapes. And they carried it on a pole between two of them. And they also brought some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster that the people of Israel cut down from there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy it out is the land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, Let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, The land which we pass through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. 
Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land for they are bread for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregation said, said to stone them with stones. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word. We'll stand once more to uh, pray before Almighty God. Father in heaven, we thank you for your holy and infallible word. Father, we, we see your word. And we hope, O oh Lord, as we come before you here this morning, that you would teach us from it. O oh Lord, be with each and every one of us. May it instruct us, O oh Lord. May it encourage those who need encouragement. But Lord, may it correct those who need correction and to be brought back in the right way. Father, may we learn from this passage what it means to go forward by faith and to not retreat into fear. O oh Lord, may your face shine upon us, for we, can, we cannot understand anything without you, O oh Lord. Father, we do not deserve the least of your mercies. But Lord, we pray that you would mercifully and graciously show us from your word that we may be wise in this wicked world, and that you would strengthen us. Be our guide, O oh Lord. Be our shepherd. O oh Lord, feed your sheep here in Ballylagan. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. If you ever visit our home, one of the first things that will greet you on the way in is a very, and very excitable dog. Um, she's very timid, she's very sweet, but she gets afraid sometimes. Um, she particularly doesn't like water, she doesn't like baths. And uh, whenever she sees me preparing a bath for her, she pancakes. She doesn't want to move. I have to literally have to carry her over to the bath. Fear can do that to us sometimes, can't it? It makes us paralyzed in the face of something that makes us afraid. Fear destroys armies. Fear can also destroy nations. In our spiritual walk, as we walk in our spiritual journey from spiritual Egypt, bondage, slavery, toward freedom, complete freedom, and abundance in the land of Canaan, that is heaven above, we can either go forward or we can go backwards. Forward in faith or backward in fear. We grow in our fear of God by faith, or we grow in our fear of, well, what do you fear here this morning? It won't be the same for every person. In this journey toward our heavenly home, it is a, it is a journey full of trial. It is a journey full of difficulty and challenge. 
Temptations will arise which will say this. Egypt is better. Didn't we have it much better in Egypt? That is the temptation of the world. So we complain against God and walk backward. My dog, when it was afraid, did not run away. But when we're scared spiritually, we can run away from God. We can be like Jonah. There is a careful warning in our text. We must not abandon this journey to Canaan. We must continue to go forward. There is a clear warning as well for those who long for what has been left behind. What does it say, dear friends? One of the things that I love about the Old Testament and I praise God for the men at the college that have especially given me this, this love for the Pentateuch. It is like a picture book teaching us about God and teaching about his gospel. Full of vivid illustrations helping us to see what God is like and helping us to see what our journey is like. It is not going to be easy. It's not always going to be plain sailing. So let us come here this morning, dear friends, not looking at this purely as some ancient history. It can not teach us anything in the year 2022. But as God's people moving forward either by faith or attempting to go back to Egypt in fear. Those who are born again go forward by faith. But sadly, dear friends, there may be people even amongst us here this morning who recoil in fear at the trials on their way and return to Egypt. So we're going to look at this text of God's holy word. We're going to look at four headings. The first one we're going to look at this morning is strongholds to be faced. Strongholds to be faced. Verse 17 of our text says this. Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up this way unto, into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, or whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, or whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds. Whether the land is rich or poor, or whether there are forests there or not. What is the place like bringing back a report, information about the difficulties that face them ahead? On our journey, in our own journey to the celestial city in heaven, there will also be trials. There will be things ahead. There will be as it says here in our text, strongholds. Toward their inheritance that God had promised them. It's too easy, dear friends, to say that we won't face trials. And it's too easy to pretend like challenges will not arise. They will arise. We're 
as long, the longer we live on this earth, the more we see that. The longer we've been Christians, the more we see difficulties and trials. They will come. And they, they cannot be avoided. They have to be faced. People, a very common phrase today is, we're living in unusual times. There's an element of truth to that, yes. But there's also an element of, not really. What I think has been unusual is the level of blessings we've had in the West. We have an unbelievable health service compared to most times in history. Are these the first times of widespread sickness? Far from it. Are these the first times of fear and perceived danger? Not at all. Not at all. If you go throughout history, you see sicknesses, cholera. During World War II, Christians dealing with the bombing of London. Pastors wrestling whether to stay in the city or not. There's a certain sense in which Christians of old might have loved our problems compared to some of the things they went through. Sickness, illness on this earth, on this fallen earth, is normal. It is normal. But we have had so much blessing. We need to thank God for that. There is a challenge on our way, isn't there, to the celestial city? And you say, what do I mean by that? Why would I say there's a challenge? Things are great, aren't they? In a certain sense. But we always have to ask ourselves, do we fear it more than God? Even one of the accusations Satan had about Job. Take away his health and he will curse you. Do we fear losing our health more than we fear God. Much of the world does not fear God today. We must fear God, dear friends. We must fear God. Not men and not anything else. It's, it's easy to say this. But it must begin with the fear of God. Because, dear friends, the fear of God will drive out the fear of everything else. There are challenges, there are strongholds raised against the knowledge of the truth. In the New Testament, Paul writes this, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity... To the obedience of Christ. And being ready to punish all disobedience. When your obedience is fulfilled. 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 to 6. We will face strongholds. Raised against the knowledge of the truth. Those things that prevent us from entering in. To our home. In heaven. We face these things. These are not carnal These are not physical things. These are arguments. These are anything that says God is not as important as fill in the blank. Anything that will put itself as more important 
than God. And dear friends, we have been bombarded with such arguments in the last few years, in the last few decades, of other things that are being presented to us as more important than God. Everything that would challenge the truth, everything that would come in the way of us being with God, being in the presence of God, everything that would make us doubt God, His promises to protect his people. Anything and everything that would make us trust other things, other means. And we thank God for the means that he has given and provided. But we don't trust those means more than we trust God. These, my dear friends, need to be be cast down. They need to be cast down, defeated. Knowing that God knows the future and not man. Knowing that God is faithful, that truth is. In times of trouble. He is the truth. That never changes. That, that standard. That never ever changes. Isn't that wonderful. In an era. When the scientific. Information seems to change. With the direction of the wind. We have a God. Who has been the same. From everlasting to everlasting. He will never change. And his counsel never changes. Because it's always wise. It's always wise. Knowing dear friends. That there will be subtle challenges. To God's reign over our lives. And we have to face these strongholds. These challenges to God's rule over our lives. The devil is clever. And sometimes we think something is not a stronghold. Something is not something. That is an idol. And it could be. A stronghold keeps us from God. Number two now. We've looked at number one. Strongholds to be faced. Number two now. Strength to be formed. Strength to be formed. In order to face such challenges. We need courage. We need courage. We need strength. In verse 20 of our text. Verse 20. Whether the land is rich or poor, or whether there are forests there or not, be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. Be of good courage. There is heavenly fruit to be had. Tasting of the world to come needs courage. It needs strength. Because, my dear friends, courage is something that comes from faith in God. The courage I'm speaking about here, the courage that faces these challenges as we journey forward toward our heavenly home. And the opposite of courage Cowardice is something that comes from unbelief. It says in Revelation 21 verse 8, But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable murderers, sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars will have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That's some list, isn't it, from, the, from Revelation. And then, but... The cowardly, and this is speaking spiritually, will find their part in the lake of fire. 
courage is needed. Not all on their journey to Canaan have equal courage. I want to point this out as well. It would not be wise to compare ourselves one with another. All have fallen short of the glory of God. But we all have a measure. We all have a measure. Some may be smaller than others. Some might be very, very tiny. But it will be there to a measure. Those who lack courage will so often doubt if they can make it, won't they? God is the one who brings you safely home. The only way any of us will get there in the end is God bringing us safely there. None of us have a hope of getting there without God. It's not our performance. It's not our strength. It's not our courage. It's God who brings us there. Our strength is not enough. The person who trusts in his strength really is a spiritual coward. But there's something that needs to be said about our society today. Whether that is our leaders in our nation. Or in other things. We seem to lack courage today. Don't we? Moral courage seems to be absolutely disappearing in our political leaders. In university, in businesses, just moral courage. People say one thing and immediately seem to turn around and do the exact opposite. Why? Because they've been pressured. Why? Because of cowardice. Those who lack courage to keep going, no matter how difficult the journey, that's what it is. They keep going because anything else repulses them. The idea of going any other direction repulses them. If we remember our history, uh, there was a man by the name of William Wilberforce. The man who ended the slave trade in the British Empire. It was a, a long, hard journey. Many thought it was wasted energy. That he would never get there in the end. But it was the only journey he could take because he was so horrified at the way his fellow human beings were being treated and sold like animals. It horrified him. And he couldn't do anything else but keep going on that journey. He keeps going imperfectly, but he got there in the end. There was fruit for his labors. And dear friends, as there will be for ours. Fruit from Canaan. Heavenly fruit. For those who reach their destination by faith in Christ. It says in verses 26 and 27. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron. And all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Verse 27, then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Glorious, wonderful fruit. Dear friends, we we can't even wrap our heads around how amazing, how wonderful 
heaven is. But God shows us with these pictures of how much better it is than it is in our current journey throughout our wilderness. William Wilberforce was, was stirred up by his hope of ending the slave trade. Are we stirred up in our thoughts of being free from the presence of sin? Yes, if we are in Christ Jesus today, we are set free. But we have not yet experienced the fullness of that freedom. When we reach the new heavens and the new earth, there will be no more slaves of sin. Only freed men, completely free. We still struggle, don't we, with the flesh while on this earth. Even Paul struggled. As we know from Romans chapter 7. There will be wonderful fruit. It says in Revelation 22 verses 2 and 3. In the, midst, in the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life. Which bore 12 fruits. Each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. It's fruit every month. We cannot imagine how wonderful that is. Does this keep you going? A place of perfect healing. A place of no disease. A place of no pain. A place of no tears because there's no sin there to weep over. A place truly flowing with milk and honey. A place that will only nourish. A place of perfect health. A place of perfect peace. Something we can't have in its perfect sense here. Something we certainly could not have had in Egypt. Our third point now is surrendering to be forsaken. So strongholds to be faced. Strength to be formed. Surrendering to be forsaken. Verse 31 of our text says this. This is Numbers 13. But the men who have gone up with him said we are not able to go up against the people. For they are stronger then we, and then also at the first verse of the next chapter. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us up to this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? Verse 4 shows what they tragically decided to do, some of them. So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. What did the people see? There's a wonderful blessings ahead. There are wonderful blessings ahead. And what did the people see? They only saw the challenges. They only saw the difficulties. Oh no, we have to go through these things in order to enter in to our rest. So many wanted to surrender. No, I'm going back. 
and return to the home, not of place where they were even comfortable. They wanted to go back to their home of, of oppression. The home where their, their fathers cried out. That's what spiritual cowardice will do. It won't make any sense. Does it make any sense to you here this morning? To go back to a land of slavery. To a land of bondage. But that's what spiritual cowardice will do. Now there were wonderful exceptions in this text. Caleb was one in verse 30 of Numbers 13. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once. And take possession. For we are well able to overcome it. He trusted in God to deliver. He wasn't saying we're stronger than these guys. He he said let's go up at once. Let's go up now. Let no more delay. And take possession of the land by faith. That faith brought such courage didn't it to Caleb. There was great fear in the camp. When they got that evil report from the spies, the most contagious thing over the last few years has been what? Fear. Fear. We live in an age of Twitter and Facebook and everything else. Fear will spread faster than anything else, it seems. And it spread through the camp. In that time. Immediately. Oh, this is too difficult for us. We've got to return. Abandon ship. Caleb and Joshua. They were not trusting themselves. But they were trusting the promises of God. Now, there's also a danger as well. That can come up. We can think. You know, God is sovereign. God is sovereign. It does not matter if I abandon the way. But this is testing God, my dear friend, not trusting God. The farmer trusting God, does he abandon planting the seeds in the ground? He will not see the crop until the next year. But he, trusting God as he prays over the crop, he must plant the seeds. The parent trusting God to save their children does not abandon teaching that child the ways of God. So when we see these challenges from persecution, jobs from the government, whatever the, where the persecution may come from, realize that nothing can stop victory. That Victory is assured. If you have faith, the victory is assured. Caleb and Joshua saw that. Let us go up at once. It is ours by faith. We have that faith in our Savior. Who fights for us. And if you have faith. Go forward by faith. Unbelief says let us go back. Unbelief says let us run away. From the challenges. And we can drift. In unbelief. The fruit of fear. Is. Complaining. And we even see the complaining of the leadership. And so much so. That they wanted to change the leadership. To. To suit what they wanted. Says in Numbers 14. Verse 10. Sorry verse 4. So they said to one another. Let us select a leader and return to Egypt. 
Let us return to Egypt. And in spiritual terms, when a person does that, they're saying, let us return to hell. Let us return to bondage. Let us return to our slavery. And let us return to serving our master, the devil. We must go forward by faith. I think there are many things, myself included, we have gotten wrong over the last few years. Myself included, dear friends. But we must examine ourselves to see where we've gone wrong. And asking the Lord for forgiveness, knowing he is a loving and forgiving God. Our last point we're going to look at here this morning is salvation to be followed So strongholds to be faced, strength to be formed, surrendering to be forsaken. And finally, number four, salvation to be followed. Those, dear friends, having said all that I've just said here this morning, if you are here in Jesus Christ, you are on your way to this heavenly home. There is nothing or no one that can stop you. There is no stronghold. There is nothing that can get in the way of that. Christ will bring you home. But there is a future deliverance that we await, don't we? We've had deliverance, those in Christ Jesus. We've had forgiveness in Jesus Christ. But we still have a final journey to take. We still have to cross over that river, the River Jordan, and still have to take possession of our heavenly home. We have a great Home in heaven. A home prepared for us. Our true home. This world, dear friends, is not our home. It's it's not our home. Verses 8 and 9 of Numbers 14. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. If the Lord delights in us. If the Lord delights in us. Does the Lord delight? life in you and we may struggle with that answer we may look at ourselves but I'm a sinner how can anybody delight in me but my dear friends if you're in Christ if you're in Christ how can he not delight in you no matter your age no matter your sin even if you're in Christ your sin has been washed clean if remembering back to Matthew 3:17 this is my beloved son in whom i am well pleased in whom i delight in whom is a sweet aroma in whom i rejoice if you are in Christ follow his example imperfectly of course then god delights in you not because of you not because i'm of course, I'm, I'm so wonderful. Why wouldn't anybody like me? Not, not in that sense, but because of Christ. Because of Christ, he delights in you. He, I remember years ago in my own personal walk, when this dawned on me, the way God loves his children, he doesn't put up with us because of Christ. He delights in us because of Christ. Imagine, if you will, you haven't seen your children for some time. 
Or perhaps you haven't seen your grandchildren for some time. And that joy when that door is opened. Perhaps during the last two years you didn't see your grandchildren for a while. And you're delighted, overjoyed to see them. Well, God delights in you far more than even that. There were two groups in this day. There was a small group who trusted God. Not giving in to the fear of the people. Beware of the sinful majority. Beware of following a crowd to do evil. Because with the majority we can fear not being liked. We can fear persecution of various kinds. And we can fear at work perhaps not being picked for certain roles. But our text reminds us, isn't their protection leaving them? Isn't their protection leaving them? It says, verse 9, Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land. Why shouldn't you fear the people of the land? These are strong, tall people. For they are our bread. Is there anything scary about bread? What do we do? We consume bread. Their protection has departed from them. It is leaving them. Their protection is going away. What about the world's protection today? What about the things that the world is depending on? Don't we see it on a daily basis? This seems to be the answer. This is the, f- this is the thing that will fix everything. And that, oh, it doesn't work as well as we thought it did. The world's protections are going away. And these are good things that God has given. But I think the Lord is really telling us in this year. Of our nation's need to repent. I'm not against any means. But the world's protection is departing brick by brick. But this should not concern us. Cain and above is our home. How did the people react to this message of Caleb and Joshua? We'll look at this before we finish up. How did they react to this message of Caleb and Joshua? Godly examples in our text. They knew the challenges. These were not wishful thinking people. They knew the challenges. But they also knew the blessings ahead. And they also knew the God who would deliver them. My friends, they did not spread fear. Caleb and Joshua did not spread fear. They quieted the people Caleb did. They spoke of victory. It was not popular. It was not popular. In verse 10 it says, And the congregation said to stone them with stones. That seems so outrageous, doesn't it? They get so angry, they want to bring the death penalty upon the leaders who brought them freedom from tyranny. Dear friends, how does this message of deliverance reach your ears here this morning? Does it make you look to a safety 
only found in heaven with Christ. That's the only place where you'll find perfect safety. Or do you wish to follow the world back to Egypt? There's, there's two very clear worldviews in our world today. There's fear everywhere. People are scared. And dear friends, many of them unbelievers have every reason to be afraid. Because they will face the judge of heaven and earth. And they will stand before him naked in their own sin. But dear friends, if we're Christians, if we're clothed in Christ Jesus, we have nothing to fear. Absolutely nothing to fear. We will face strongholds. We will face challenges. But there is wonderful fruit ahead. There is a home to reach. And dear friends, there's a king to worship. Come this morning. If you do not know him. Come this morning to this king. Well there's still hope. Come and trust in him. Come and follow him by faith. That he may bring you home. To your heavenly Canaan. Amen.